Lots of channels, nothing to watch, especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel, straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on Local Now, Channel 525. Welcome to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. This program was originally broadcast live on 93.9 KPDQ. We hope you enjoy the show. Welcome to the Georgine Rice Show. Georgine Rice is actually off today, so this is Rich Jones. I'm the pastor at Calvary Chapel in Hillsboro, and I'm sitting here today with uh, Matthew Dodd. Also a pastor at Calvary Chapel in Hillsborough. Matthew, how are you doing? I am doing really well in spite of all that's been going on lately. This has been crazy. I know. Absolutely crazy. But, um, hey, what a privilege it is to do this program for Georgine. She's taking the day off, well-deserved day off. This has been difficult, I think, for everyone. She's been doing her shows. I think she's doing her shows from home. Really? And um, we're not doing this show from home. (laughs) (laughs) Close. We got some technology. We're close. Uh, but anyway, so she's off, and uh, we have the privilege of uh, hosting the show. So it's you and me, and uh, I'm excited, and of course the audience, and uh, excited for what God's going to do. I'm excited for this topic that we're going to talk about because, you know, I think a lot of people are are really asking themselves the question: How does this COVID nineteen? How does this coronavirus fit into the big scheme of things? I think. You know, we need to kind of step back and understand what what is the spiritual significance? What is God doing in the midst of all of this? And um, so I, I really want to speak to that today. But before we do all that, just a, maybe a personal note. Um, this is affecting all of us. How, how is it impacting you and your family and your schedule and your life and all of that sort of thing? Well, I think at first, you know, it was, a, a, it was just mind-boggling that this was happening at such an accelerated pace. You know, you and I were in Africa right? <laughs> when it really began right. to take effect. And, you know, even trying to get back home from Kenya. I mean, literally, we're supposed to be doing a pastor's conference right, right. in Kenya. And the night before, the president of the country shuts the country down. And right. from that point on, we're scrambling to try to find a way home. And literally... Things were shutting down. We get up in the air out of Paris, and then right. President France right. shuts down France. Woo, we were I mean, just glad one to get thing out. after the yeah, next. We were fortunate to get out when we did. Although, you know, when they first shut down uh, uh, Kenya, uh, you know, our, our first thing was just to wait to see, you know, well, maybe they'll make an exception for us. Exactly. You know, after all, you know, it's us, right? Of course. And uh, so we're just sitting in the room waiting, right? And, uh, um, Maybe, uh, of course, you remember you were there, but um, I had a, I'm sitting on, on the bed talking to my wife, right? And a monkey, I look up and there's a monkey in my room. <laughs> of all things, there's a monkey in my room. And, uh, and so, you know, uh, and so you had to say, listen, we need to practice social quarantining right here, <laughs> right? Social, social, social distancing. distancing right here. Come Please. We work. No, it's so funny because I'm on the phone with my wife, right? We're just chit-chatting. And then, and then she hears me say, get out. And <laughs> she goes, oh, my goodness, what's happening? <laughs> right? What's happening? And uh, I had to say, oh, there's a monkey in my room. 
and uh, and it didn't want to leave, right? So it got, it just kind of went out on the deck, and then then it was thinking about coming back, and I had to go out there to shoo it off, and I thought this could end badly, right? What an experience was that? And then of course we we were told no, no, this conference is canceled. All the pastors are going home, and you're going home too. Then the challenge of of getting home. But then when we got home, what a world of difference. I mean, you know, we were gone 10 days, and the world had changed in 10 days. Never seen anything like it. All of a sudden, this became very real right? in a way that we never imagined. And in the middle of all that, I don't know if you know this, but my daughter Melina, she ends up getting ill. Right. And I right. begin to wonder, did I bring something back? Right. Tested her for COVID-19. It took two weeks for the results to get back, but fortunately it came back negative. Right. But it was just one thing after the next. And then, you know, it just, the and reality then, of it all just really hit hard. And no, no church services, right? We come back to, no, there are no, we have not had church, uh, like with Since live the people. First, Week of March, right? No, it was 15th of March we were gone, mm-hmm. and that's when they had the last that's right, here. gathering. Uh, and then that following week, that's when the, uh, the governor said no more. And so we immediately went online. All of our services are online. Uh, oh, my goodness, praise God for the technology. You know, it, what did they do back in the pandemic of 1918 with the Spanish flu? You know, they just... Read their Bibles at home, which is not bad, but uh, you know it's not it's not church, not you know. At all. And I think uh, I think people really appreciate the fact that we can today have the technology that we do have to make it possible to actually have church, so we can talk to people and try to um, just encourage them in the spirit, strengthen faith. Because I think people need it today. I mean, there's a lot. This has upset the world, right? The whole world has turned up on its head. And uh, we need we need to be strengthened. Well, I remember when we were in, in Kenya the, the day before, or actually the day we got the, the country closed down, um, uh, we were at that church, and I was speaking, and a lot of people were beginning to wonder, is this the beginning of the end? You right. know, is this the end times here? And right. there was a lot of fear and whatnot. And so they mm-hmm. were asking me to speak to that at the church that I spoke at. I'm sure you had to address similar things at the church you right. spoke at as well. And I and I think it's it's on a lot of people's minds. Uh, what does this mean spiritually? And um, and and it has impacted. You know, when it impacts your direct life, it's certainly different than if some foreign virus, you know, like SARS or MERS or um, Ebola. The, Ebola. That's the one I was thinking of. Senior moment there. Um, you know, that was distant. Ebola was Africa, and very little impact to us, right? SARS, MERS, that's that's in another place. But this is real, right? This is in Oregon. This is right here in, in our neck of the woods. And uh, and we know people who, who have been infected by this. And uh, it's, per, it, it's real. It's personal. And it's, of course, impacted our lives and a lot of people. Um, I think everybody who's hearing this, it's and impacted them. People we love and we know, our community, our nation, our right. world, jobs, right. economy. Love, exactly. And we don't know where this is going. Uh, how how uh, big of an impact is this going to make on the economy? That is still yet to be uh, known. 
And there's a lot of tentativeness, a lot of uncertainty. And of course, uncertainty breeds fear or can. And I think that's really where the church needs to be strengthened right now. I think faith needs to be strengthened that God is on the throne and that we can trust him. We can look to him in time of need. And, you know, he is our strength and he is our help. We just need our faith renewed. Well, you know, you asked me, you know, how's it impacted me, my loved ones? How about you? I mean, how have you approached this? Yeah. Well, you know, there's there's also a positive side, right? Having more time with the family, uh, that's positive, right? And uh, we're taking good advantage of that opportunity, right? Taking walks together as a family, playing more games together, you know. And uh, I taught our, you know, we have adopted our granddaughter. So she's with us. She's 12. And I taught her how to play Scrabble. She beat me. <laughs> you know, I should, I should, I'm a pastor, right? I, right, I, had, I deal with words, right, all the time. The word, right? And she beats me. How is that even possible? You well, got out wordsmith. Well, I wouldn't know. Let's not put it that far. I did help her, okay? And then she just so happened to land on a triple word. Nice. score right nice. so then she's like so excited the first time she ever played scrabble and she beats me of course we we played sins and <laughs> <laughs> best out of three we, we, <laughs> two out of three we gotta set the record straight <laughs> on this let you know who's boss right now that's right uh anyway but we've been playing other games you know, like penta which is another i like strategy games right and uh, so that's fun and, and ping pong and just having fun, you know. So there's that part, taking walks, um, playing guitar more. You know, there's some good things. Hey, we're going to take a break and uh, we're going to come right back. And then I just want us to look to God's word and, uh, and, and strengthen faith today. I think people hearing this program need to be strengthened in faith. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Welcome back to the Georgine Rice Show. This is uh, Pastor Rich Jones, and uh, it's my privilege to be sitting in for Georgine Rice. She's got the day off. I'm with Pastor Matthew Dodd. We serve together at Calvary Chapel in Hillsboro, and it's always a joy whenever Georgine uh, takes a, a break or needs a day off that uh, we get to sit in and do this show, which is a tremendous privilege. I, I just really enjoy this opportunity and so glad to be sitting here with you and and uh, here in the midst of unprecedented times, I think that uh, we get to speak to a very important topic, which is what does this mean? Yeah, how does it relate to the Bible? You know, how do we understand right. current events in light of biblical prophecy? And I think the question that uh, is on a lot of people's minds is, is this COVID-19, is this coronavirus a sign of the times? You know, when when Jesus, toward the end of his ministry, the disciples came to Jesus with this question, because he had made this prophecy. He had prophesied about the temple being destroyed. And, uh, and so it, it made the disciples ask, when will these things be? What will be the sign of the end of the age and of your coming. And then, so Jesus gave the signs of the times, which I want to review, because I think this is really on, on a lot of people's minds. And so I want us to look at what those signs of the times are and kind of really look around us and see this world and see, is, is there a relevance to what's happening today? Is there a fulfillment, in other words? But I'll, before I look at that, I think I also want to address 
um, what Jesus said in regard to discerning the sign of the time. Because Jesus really gave a strong word against the Pharisees and the rulers of Israel because they would not discern the signs of the times. In other words, that's expected. Like, you really, you can't discern the signs of the times. And he gave several illustrations. And he said, you know, like when you see the budding of the tree, you know that summer is near. That's like a sign of the times. Um, he, he mentioned uh, in another place about the weather. You know, if it's red in morning, we have a saying, right? Red in morning, sailors take warning. Red at night, sailors delight. They have kind of a similar thing like that. Jesus said, you can discern the weather by seeing the signs that you see in the sky. Can you not discern the signs of the times? Now, I think the relevance in that day was that here's the Messiah of Israel, right? Here's the long-awaited king, and uh, the signs of the times were right before their eyes. The blind could see, the lame could walk, the deaf could hear. He cast out demons by the authority of his uh, uh, power. He could calm the waves and the, and the sea. All of these were the signs of the times, which they refused to discern. Therefore, there's that similar uh, uh, command, that directive on us. Be sure that you discern the signs of the times. That's why, to me, this is a very important topic. Yeah, we need to be alert as to what is going on, but I think also not be swept away when we see things go from bad to worse. Right. But press into the faith. Right. And our world, like never before, needs the church to be that bright light, to speak the words of hope, right. to share the good news of Jesus Christ, mm-hmm. because they're looking for answers. And if I think the, the, the church looks like the world in terms of fear, That's right. then they're going to look somewhere else, because obviously we don't have the answers, because we look like everyone mm-hmm. else looks. Right. We're afraid. And I love that scripture, God has not given us a spirit of fear, which is to say, hey, if there's fear, it didn't come from God. Right? That's the nature of man. God gave us a spirit of power and love and a sound mind. And I think that's really the perspective. We need to have sound understanding of what's happening. There's power behind the word, but there's also love. He speaks of that. And I, and I speak of that because there, you mentioned people looking. I think right now there's a longing, a looking, a hunger. Interpret this for me. What does this mean? And I think there's a lot of people that are turning to God right now. I know when you and I were in Africa, right. my wife, before things got shut down here in Oregon, uh, my wife was outside talking to some of the neighbors and some of the uh, friends of the neighbor were there as well. And all of a sudden, she's having an opportunity mm-hmm. to share about Jesus Christ with people who were not even asking those questions before. All of a sudden, now they're interested. Right. How is this all working out? They, they knew I was in Africa. You and I were in Africa. And and why would we be in Africa? Why are we doing what we do? And all of a sudden, these questions were, were happening, and it became a great opportunity for my wife, Heidi, to share about Jesus. Mm-hmm. Because there's a hunger. And I think that is what happens with with the turbulence of the day when the world gets turned upside down. Now, I think we should also say, look, this is not the first crisis the world's ever faced. There have been many crises. And I'm really glad you said that because, you know, like you mentioned earlier, uh, 1918, the Spanish right. flu. Right. Devastating, devastating right. impact it had upon the whole world. Right. And yet, and was that a sign of the times? See, I think we have to look because there have been other pandemics. And then you had the Black you had the Plague. Great Depression, right. World War One, World War Two. You had a lot of things that have happened that have gone before this. 
And every generation, it seems, has their own crisis, right? Their own um, trouble of the day. This is our day. This is our trouble. You know, I was, I was talking to uh, someone some months back, actually, who was going through a personal, uh, very, very tragic time. I mean, it broke my heart to hear the story. And uh, at the end of the, the story, the person said to me, I want my life back. And it broke my heart. I want my life back. Everything is destroyed. I want my life back. But I just felt the Holy Spirit giving me a word to say to this person, which was, but you don't get your life back. You get your life forward. In other words, God's promises are in front of you. God's purpose in your life is in front of you. It's not behind us, it's in front of us. And I think we have to understand the same is true right now. We're not going to get our world back the way it was. It will be changed and it will be forever changed. And we're not going back, we're going forward. Therefore, I think it's very important that we look. What is God doing now? You know, it reminds me a lot. I know we're almost, this segment's almost up here, but it reminds me a lot of when... Uh, Jerusalem was destroyed, and Israel was taken captive and made exiles in Babylon. Well, can you just imagine those Jews in Babylon saying the same thing? I want my world back. I want my life back. I, I want it back the way it was. But that's where we get that famous promise out of Jeremiah. I know the plans that I have for you, not for, not for calamity, but for good, to give you a future and a hope. You will remain here for 70 years, but I will visit you again. You know, when our daughter Melina, she's seven years old, got sick, and we took her to the, to, to the doctor to be tested, yeah. um, Heidi and her had a very frank conversation about what was going on and what they were being tested for. Mm -hmm. And I remember the next day I was holding her in my arms, we we're just kind of hanging out together, and she looks up at me. And says, Daddy, I know where my hope is, uh, which ties in with what you just said so well. Mm -hmm. And I think if people know where their hope is, it makes right. all the difference in the world. That's right. And I'll never forget those words from a seven-year-old little girl, I know where my hope is. Mm -hmm. That's precious. A seven-year-old understands what many do not understand that are adults. I think we need to go back and get a foundation under our feet so we can stand on some hope. And that hope comes from God. That hope comes from God's word. And that's what I want us to speak to. So I'm very glad for this opportunity. I think that this is very relevant. It's very urgent. I think a lot of people are needing to hear words of hope right now. So we're going to take a break. We're going to come back. And let's do that. Let's begin to just speak into that and, 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 and bring the relevance of God's word into the circumstance. All right, we're going to take a break. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Welcome back to the Georgine Rice Show. This is Pastor Rich Jones. I'm sitting here today with Pastor Matthew Dodd. We're both uh, serving at Calvary Chapel in Hillsborough. It's our privilege to be sitting in for Georgine Rice today. And we are talking about the signs of the times. And I, I think we're really wanting to address the question is this current COVID-19, coronavirus, is this a sign of the times? And, and uh, it comes really from when the, the disciples asked Jesus, 
when will these things be? He had just made this prophecy about the destruction of Israel, particularly Jerusalem and the temple. When will these things be? What will be the signs of the end of the age and of your coming? And so that's where Jesus gives the signs of the times. He, uh, uh, of course, urged them to discern. And that's important. Be on the alert. You should always want to discern the signs of the times. So he gives this list of the signs of the times, the condition on the earth of things that will indicate that the time is drawing near. It's very much like where Jesus said, you see the buds on the tree, you know that summer is near. Same idea. That's where you know that the the end is drawing near when you see these things. Now, he gives similar lists in Matthew 24 and in Luke 21. And it's interesting because they're slightly different. So I think the key one that most people look to is Matthew 24. So Matthew, if you got it open, maybe you could read that to us. Sure. Jesus said, see to it that no one misleads you. For many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ and will mislead many. You will be hearing of wars and rumors of wars. See that you're not frightened. For those things must take place, but that is not yet the end. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And in various places there will be famines and earthquakes. But all these things are merely the beginning of birth pangs. Yes. Now, um, two things I want us to note. First of all, um, there is a similar list he gives in Luke 21. Um, But... There's something added in Luke 21 that I think is is very important. Because in Luke 21, he says very similar things. Uh, See to it that you're not frightened, misled, etc. You will be hearing of wars. Very similar. Rumors of wars. Do not be terrified. But he mentions the same thing. Nations will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom, earthquakes, etc. But then there will be various, in various places, plagues and famines. And then he mentions similarly, these are birth pangs. Now, two things. First of all, the 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 plagues. Because when I think when we look at the COVID nineteen, this would qualify. This would be classified as a as a plague. And therefore, is he referring? Does that refer to this current COVID nineteen situation? Well, here's what I would say. He also mentions these things are like a birth pangs of a woman in birth. So any woman who's ever had a child will tell you that birth pangs will grow greater in intensity and closer together as the end is drawing near, if I can use that phrase. Um, So therefore, I believe that's the connection to what we are currently understanding or seeing before our eyes now with this COVID-19. Because it's a sign of the times in the sense that it's one of those birth pangs that's going to grow greater in intensity and closer together as we see the end drawing near, because there have been other plagues. I mean, in history, right, there was the Black Plague we mentioned before, the Spanish flu that was there. There's also been the bird flu, Ebola, Zika, MERS, SARS, uh, Spanish flu of 1918, all of these things culminate collectively together, I'm convinced, as the, the birth pangs. Well, especially you see them all within the last hundred years or so. Many of them. 
Yes. The, and growing in and intensity. Intensity. And this one's different than any of the others. Greater coverage, greater spread. Before, it could be contained within a border. That's right. And now? And now it's worldwide. Crosses borders. Crosses all borders. The whole world is turned upside down economically. See, here's where I think we need to recognize that this one's different than other ones. Um, because I think in many ways it really sets the stage for latter-day events. It's setting the stage. I'm convinced it's setting the stage for an, an, an antichrist, which I want us to look at. I don't want to get too far afield here. But I, I believe that it sets the stage for antichrist in the sense that the Scripture makes this uh, very clear in various places of prophecy that the Antichrist will arise who will at first appear to be like the hero of heroes, the person able to bring about answers to conundrums and troubles and difficulties that no one seems to be able to to answer. And uh, economic uh, disaster is part of the signs of the latter days. Well, he'll come appearing as a person of peace, bringing peace. And you can imagine within all the chaos that's going on in the world right now, that's what we need. Who can solve this problem? Who can bring the peace, right. not just on the uh, the uh, political landscape, not between countries, but also economically, solve all those social ills? And he will be respected by the Jews, and he will be respected by Islam, the Arab nations also. He will be respected by the world, and uh, I want to get into this further into this program but uh, where does he come from? Well, he, he comes out of Europe. And I think the scripture makes that clear out of Daniel. He'll arise. Revelation speaks to it too. The Antichrist in the latter days um, will come out of Europe, out of, out of a ten-nation confederacy, you might say. But th- this is the setting of the stage. So may I ask you then, because based on what we're talking about right here, I think it's really important for our, our listeners to understand you, when you come, when it comes to the end times, you right. see them as being something that's literally going to happen. So when the Bible prophetically speaks about the end times, the day of the Lord, the day of Christ, right. then basically what you're saying is, is you see there is going to be a literal fulfillment of those things, even when we're dealing with apocalyptic literature that has great figures associated with it. Well, absolutely. I, I believe in a literal fulfillment. Here's why I say that. Because the prophecies that we're referring to come out of Daniel, and Daniel gave very exact and specific prophecies relating to the appearance of Messiah, which was fulfilled exactly. Now, if that's fulfilled exactly, then why shouldn't all of it be fulfilled exactly? And uh, he, what he refers to in the prophecies of Daniel is that there's a specific number of sets of years, weeks of years, seven weeks, or excuse me, seven years makes up a week of years. And he gives an exact number of these, 70 of them to be exact, 69 of which have been fulfilled very exactly. And we, we can go through history and, and I mean, we can name dates, right, of when these things were exactly fulfilled. What's interesting, that 70th week of years has yet to be fulfilled. It's set off into the future. We would understand that to be the Great Tribulation period. I believe that's a literal seven-year period of time, just like Daniel's prophecies were all literal, and that is yet to be fulfilled in the latter days and is called the wrath of God, the day of the Lord. And that's very important, for there's a reason for it. 
the reason why it's called the day of the Lord, the wrath of God. And I think we as the church need to see our relationship. Are, are we destined for the wrath of God? That is the million dollar question. We're going to save that question for after the break. Okay, so we're going to take a break. Don't go away. We will be right back. You come right back with us because I think this is very, very important for us to discern and understand. All right, let's take a break. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Welcome back to the Georgine Rice Show. Pastor Rich Jones, Pastor Matthew Dodd, sitting in for Georgine. We serve together at Calvary Chapel of Hillsboro. And we're talking today about is this current crisis, this COVID-19 coronavirus, is this a sign of the times? And uh, if you've, if you've missed earlier portions of this program, I want to encourage you to go on to kpdq.com and, 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 and get the, uh, the podcast because I think it's really important to understand what is happening. And we've been speaking about the fact that, that in my view, this is it's like those birth pangs that Jesus referred to that I see as setting the stage for the, the revealing of the latter days. And uh, leading up to the culmination of a tribulation period, a specific seven-year tribulation period, and we talked about the leading up to also the revealing of the Antichrist, which is part of the latter days. I want to speak more to that later on in this program also. But I want to speak right now about the question of what is the purpose of this seven-year tribulation period. Scripture calls it the Day of the Lord which he's referring to as the wrath of God. Now, I think it's also important uh, to recognize that there are different opinions, right? Di- people have different views of the latter days. And um, this is certainly the perspective that I believe is the most biblical and right. That's why I have it, right? <laughs> and um, But nevertheless, I respect the fact that other people may have different views. But what I see is the the fulfilling of Scripture literally, and therefore I believe that we will see uh, these signs of the times literally, and there will literally be a seven-year period of time, which is the fulfillment of of Daniel and a prophecy regarding 70 weeks or sets of sevens, 490 years. There's a seven-year period missing, the wrath of God yet to come. That's the 70th week. The The first 69 have been fulfilled through Jesus, right. ultimately through his death, burial, and resurrection. Then we have a gap between the 69th and 70th week. We're living which, in that gap now. Which is the, the church age. Right. Which is a mystery. So it's interesting. In Daniel chapter 9, there's no mention of the church, which makes sense. The church didn't exist. It was a mystery to be revealed. Right. And so now we're in that period uh, in between the 69th and 70th week waiting for the Great Tribulation period to take place. But I'm convinced that we're on the end. We're at the nearer end of that period of time that we are seeing uh, before our eyes the revealing of these signs of the times. And I think one of the key indicators of that is the reestablishment of Israel as a nation. May 14, You can't have all this taking place unless right. you have Israel reestablished as a nation. Then I think you have to look at what's happened with Russia. You have to look at what's going on with China, right. what's going on with Iran. There is a global positioning of political powers right. getting ready for 
that period of time see, called the Great Tribulation. And I, and I see when we look at the nations and the unfolding of the relationships that come out of this COVID-19 situation, because, you know, out of this whole uh, virus situation and animosity and a, a drawing away from China is, is part of this whole thing. And I'm convinced, again, this is setting the stage for the latter days because we know that there will be a vast army that comes against Israel, led by the Antichrist, but a vast army comes out of the north. And uh, I could foresee, and I believe, that this is an army put together of China, Russia, potentially Iran, Many other nations, it says, join this coalition of of armies against Israel and literally come marching down uh, the Jezreel Valley, that region of Megiddo, which therefore we would call Armageddon, the Battle of Armageddon. And uh, this is toward the end of the tribulation period. Jesus himself returns at the end of the age, rescues Israel, fulfilling Zechariah 12, 13, 14. And, uh, you know, I wish we had more time because there's so much involved to understand. But I wonder, we're luck- looking right now at the tribulation period. And the question is, if, well, if this is the wrath of God, if this is the day of the Lord, and we're near to the end of this period that's leading up to that, well, is the church destined to endure that wrath? And I think it's a great question. And I think we need to look at what God's purpose is for the Great Tribulation right. period. I mean, what is God trying to do through this? Uh, and I think it's hard for a lot of people even to reconcile this with the idea that God is a loving God. Right. Why would he bring about judgment? What do you say to people who question that? Well, uh, first of all, God is a God of righteousness, right? And this world has turned its back. There is a rebellion. You know, and the scripture talks about that's part of the the fulfillment of the latter days. There's going to be a great falling away. There's going to be a great apostasy. And, oh, oh my goodness, we're seeing such a mockery of things of God today. The Christian faith is, is, is put under the heel of so many in the world today. And I think that's, again, leading up to the turning the back, the, 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 the rebellion, uh, the, the loving of the things of the world. All of these things stand opposed Right, So there's a wrath of God against unrighteousness. But at the same time, whenever we see God taking a stand against unrighteousness, we always see the mercy of God, the opportunity for revival. I can, I can go back in the history of Israel. Uh, in, the, in the northern kingdom, remember the kingdom was divided in their history. And in the north, they were turning their backs on God. It was a time of terrible, terrible worldliness going after the gods of the world. What did God do in response? He sent some of the most powerful prophets known to man in the history of the world. He sent Elijah, Elisha, and, and other great prophets, right? To speak what? To speak a word of hope, to try to bring revival. And, uh, the, you know, the, the challenge on Mount Carmel, choose you this day, right? How long will you follow? How long will you waver between two opinions, so then based on what you're saying, then you see the the Great Tribulation period, partly one of the points would be to focus on Israel, to prepare right. them for the coming of the king, right. so then they could enter into the thousand-year reign or millennial kingdom reign of Christ. where Christ reigns on the throne of David. Right. Would you agree with that? Absolutely right. But And we've talked about the, 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 the fact that all of this is regarding Israel, right? Israel is the center. Yeah. Jerusalem, the epicenter, you mm-hmm. might say, the Temple Mount being the 
the the lightning rod of all of it. All places in the world, that is the most contentious, contended for location in all the world right there. That's right. But God says that city is my city. It's a city of my possession. I put my name there. Well, the enemy knows that. And that's and the enemy has been against Israel. We can go back over history and see how much the enemy has been against Israel. That's what the whole idea of anti-Semitism is. That is led by a spiritual uh, attack of warfare against Israel. Now, another component, uh, I know our time is running short here for this segment, is, is that we see that the, the tribulation is universal in scope. Right. Uh, that it is a divine judgment upon creation. There's nowhere to escape. It's an outpouring of his wrath upon, like you mentioned a moment ago, that unbelieving humanity that's rebellious in, in their ways. It's like they lift up their hand to God, said, I'm going to do it my way, no matter what you right. say. But I love what you said just a moment ago, because in the middle of this outpouring, God is still giving that invitation. That's right. He's calling people to himself. I want you to enjoy the blessings that come only through my son. Right. Will you receive? Unfortunately, when you look at the book of Revelation, you see uh, people that will say, I want the mountains to fall down upon me. I'm not going to acknowledge God in my life. But there will be those who do come to faith. I mean, that's the whole point of the witnesses that we speak of, you know, the 144,000 and others, right? Well, this is deep, right? We need to talk more about this. We're going to take a break. Don't leave us. You come right back because we want to dive into this more deeply. All right, we're going to take a break. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. We are back. We are back. This is the Georgine Rice Show. Pastor Rich Jones here sitting in with Pastor Matthew Dodd. We serve together at Calvary Chapel in Hillsborough. It's our privilege to be sitting in for Georgine Rice, who's taking the day off. We're talking about a very, very important topic, which is, is this current COVID-19 virus a sign of the end times. And uh, we're, we're diving into this thing deep now, right? We're talking about the fact that, that this is a leading up to, you know, Jesus described the signs of the times like birth pangs. Uh, any woman knows that, that um, birth pangs grow greater in intensity, closer together as the end draws near. And that's what we're seeing. We're seeing the setting up of the latter days. Is this a specific sign of the times? Well, yes, it's one of those buds on the tree, right, that tell you and dis- that you should discern that summer is near in the same way. Discern that this is saying to us the end is getting closer. We're seeing the setting up, right? So we've been talking about the tribulation. We know that there's a seven-year period of time spoken of in the book of Daniel. Literal seven-year period of time. And it's called the wrath of God. It's it's the day of the Lord, and it's, it's seen cataclysmically, there will be worldwide events that reveal this wrath of God uh, upon the world. Antichrist is leading, right? He is, he is a world ruler at this point early on in the tribulation. There is peace, you see, because you remember that this whole thing begins when the Antichrist makes a covenant of peace with the nations of the world and Israel. He does what no man has ever been able to do, bring peace in the Middle East. So at the beginning of the tribulation, there's actually peace in regards to wars. 
But that peace does not last long because three and a half years, exactly halfway through this tribulation period, he reneges on the the covenant of peace. Uh, He takes back the temple, which I'm convinced was part of the whole negotiation with the covenant of that he made with the nations. To be able to reinstitute the temple sacrifices. And to re, yeah, rebuild the temple, begin the sacrifices. He takes it back at three and a half years into it. He sets up an image of himself in the holiest of holy places in the temple. And I'm convinced that they really have just just begun to institute these sacrifices and whatnot, you know. And then three and a half years, he sets up an image of himself in the Holy of Holies, which in, makes Israel incensed, right? They, so that's uh, all Daniel 9, 27, and then Revelation right? 13. Exactly, tied together. But and, and Matthew 24, when you see the abomination of desolation set forth as Daniel spoke of, you know, then let those in Judea flee to the mountains because literally all hell is going to break loose, right? Well, why does he do this? Why does he set this image of himself in the Holy of Holies? Well, I have a theory. My theory is he's doing it to make Israel become so enraged that they, had, that they do a military action. And that's the excuse that he needs to bring the armies of the world down against them. See? So it's all leading up to this hell breaking loose. It's the wrath of God. None of this can happen until the 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 timing of God, which Jesus spoke of, only is known by the Father. And this brings us to the four horsemen of the apocalypse. I know we're getting really deep here. I want to speak to that before this program's over. But really the question I want us to address here right now is this is a description of a terrible day yeah the wrath of god poured out on the whole world um is the church destined for wrath you know and and it's so important for us to have a proper understanding of where will the church be right in light of these end time events right and i think in revelation chapter 3 verse 10 we have insight uh the words of jesus a message to the church in philadelphia but to us as well as a part of uh, the body of Christ, where Jesus says, because you've kept the word of my perseverance, I will also keep you from the hour of testing, that hour which is about to come upon, look at this, the whole world to test those who dwell on the earth. And I think it's important to see, number one, it's an hour, so it's a limited amount of time. Right. But it's going to come upon the whole world, right. meaning there's nowhere to escape. Right. Where do you go right. when it's coming upon the whole world? But I think the third point is interesting, to test those who dwell upon the earth. And in the book of Revelation, you see that phrase repeated over and over again. Mm-hmm. Who is that referring to? Would that refer to the church or someone else? Well, we know from the word of God that we're citizens of heaven. Right. Heaven's our home. We belong to the Lord Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. So we're never defined as earth dwellers Mm -hmm. uh, because we have a different citizenship. Right. So this must mean those who haven't received Jesus as their Savior, Mm -hmm. earth is their home. Right. This is where they find everything. They're defined by the things of this world. Right. And so, therefore, the tribulation period would be applicable to them, Mm -hmm. that outpouring, but not to the church. Do you have any other references of Scripture that help us understand, okay, well, if it's coming upon the whole world, 
where's the church going to be then? Exactly. And how do we get there? Well, first, let's start with this perspective. I think it's important to recognize that the church is called the bride of Christ. Okay, can, can you just imagine for a moment that the bride of Christ is going to suffer under the wrath of God? I mean, just the idea, when you put it that way, right, the idea of that, it doesn't sound right. Wait a minute, this is the bride whom he loves, whom he died on the cross to save. And Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you that where I am you may be. Exactly. So the 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 point being is that the church, therefore, if the church is not destined for wrath, well, then what happens to the church, right? If the bride of Christ is not destined for wrath. By the way, why not? Why isn't the church destined for wrath? Well, the answer is found in the cross, right? Because the wrath of God, which we deserved, fell upon him. And we were given the righteousness of God in exchange. What a beautiful 1 Corinthians 5.21, right? He who knew no sin right, became sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. It's one of the most beautiful passages in all of the Bible. And therefore, that wrath has already fallen. So we are not destined for wrath. Well, actually, I'm referring here to a specific scripture. Right in First Thessalonians chapter five verse nine, it very clearly says that God has not destined us for wrath, speaking of the church, but for obtaining salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. So I think that those two understandings help us to to see the church is not going to go through what could be called the day of the Lord, the wrath of God poured out, this tribulation period that is coming that I think is getting very, very close. Well, how then does the church get removed from the earth so that we do not suffer? Now, I think that's a very critical question, and it has everything to do with the the rapture. I think a lot of people have heard of the rapture. What does it literally mean? And uh, it's important to understand, and uh, we're going to talk about that. I want to read the scriptures of where that comes from so that we have a good understanding of how the church is saved from the wrath of God, that day of tribulation that is coming on the earth. And I'm telling you, we are seeing, I think anyone with spiritual discernment can see, there has been a storm cloud building on the horizon, that this earth is changing before our eyes, that something very spiritually dark has been arising on this earth for quite some time. And people with spiritual discernment can sense that this has been the case. It's leading up to the latter days. I want us to understand, when we get back from the break, I want us to to really see that scripture, read it ourselves, where it tells us that the church will be caught up with the Lord. All right, so we're going to take a break. We're going to be right back. Don't go anywhere, because this is very, very important. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Welcome back to the Georgine Rice Show. This is Pastor Rich Jones, Pastor Matthew Dodd. We serve together at Calvary Chapel in Hillsborough, and we are diving deep into this question. Is this current pandemic, uh, COVID-19 crisis, a sign of the times? And we're specifically talking about the, the, the tribulation period, which I'm convinced that all of this that we're seeing unfolding before our eyes is leading up to events of the latter days. And it will lead up to a great tribulation period. The wrath of God poured out seven-year specific period. But one of the things we were just saying before the break 
is that the church is not destined for wrath. Gave a scripture, 1 Thessalonians 5, 9. And that where the the church is the bride of Christ. Can you just even imagine the bride of Christ enduring the wrath of God? And I can tell you that there are many biblical typologies, you might say. We could go through from from the Genesis and, and see examples of God saving out of before a great tragedy or tribulation or judgment comes, how he saves before his people. But I want to give you the scripture out of 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 that I think is is that clear specific place where he talks about the church being caught up. That's where we actually get the word rapture because it, uh, the phrase caught up in Latin is that rapturo, right? So in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, and I'm just going to read this. Uh, we do not want you to be mis- or uninformed brethren about those who are asleep, so that you will not grieve as do the rest who have no hope. That's an apt description of the world right there. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself, here it is, the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God. And now we're speaking here before the tribulation. We're not talking about the return of Christ at the end of the tribulation. That's Zechariah 12, 13, and 14. We're talking here where he says the archangel will, uh, the voice of the archangel, the trump of God will sound, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain will be caught up. And there's that phrase in Latin rapture. Caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we shall always be with the Lord. And there's that great scripture that talks about the church then being saved from the wrath of God by being taken up, caught up, literally, with the Lord before that occurs. And there's this distinction then between the second coming of Christ, where, as you mentioned from Zechariah, Jesus Christ returns to the Mount of Olives, right. where here right. the church is caught up and meets the Lord in the air. Exactly. And at that moment, then the Apostle Paul continues in 1 Corinthians 15 and tells us what that moment will be like. Right. When he says in verse 51, Behold, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. Transform. Now, here's another perspective I think it's important to understand, because he's talking about here, this is before the tribulation, the church is caught up, right, to meet the Lord in the air. But at the end of the tribulation, when Christ returns at the end of the age, actually, then the church comes with See, so there's a huge difference in Scripture. I wish we had the time to, to delve into that. But one of the questions that I think that has been on many people's minds has to do with, wait, is this COVID-19 perhaps one of the four horsemen of the apocalypse? Now, of course, we've heard a lot about the four horsemen of the apocalypse, and, it, and, and it's important to really understand because it has been on so many minds. I've I've heard a number of people ask that question specifically. Is this you know COVID nineteen 
Are one. we in the tribulation right now? Exactly. And is this the fulfillment of that uh, one of those four horsemen of the apocalypse? And I think this is really key for us to understand. Now, first of all, where does that idea of four horsemen actually come from? Well, it's a vision that that John has. He's the one who wrote the, the book of Revelation. And he's caught up. He's taken in the vision into heaven. By the way, it's interesting. In chapter 4, he says he's caught up. Yes. Very similar to yeah. First Thessalonians, that idea of rapturo, caught he's, up. Exactly. But he's taken in the spirit. right? And he's, he's given this vision. And it, and it says that this is found in, in leading up to Revelation 6, for example. And he sees in his vision, he's, he's got a view into heaven, right? And he sees a vision, and he says there's like a sea of glass, like crystal, which to me is, I love the imagery there. And in the middle of this sea of glass, like crystal, there's a great throne. And around this great throne are 24 lesser thrones, with 24 elders sitting on these thrones. They are clothed in white, golden crowns, on their heads. But he who sat in the great throne, in the center of the sea of glass, it says that in his right hand there was a book or a scroll. It was written on the inside and on the back. But what's interesting is John is revealed to John in this vision that there, this book, this scroll, is sealed. And it has seven specific seals. Then it, a voice is heard. Who is worthy? I wish I could do that in the right voice. Who is worthy to open the book and to break the seals? And then it's revealed no one. No one is found worthy to open the book or to look into it. John, when he hears that no one is worthy, begins to weep, deeply weeping. And then one of the elders says to him, Stop weeping. Behold, the lion from the tribe of Judah has overcome so as to open the book and its seven seals. Now, when John looks, what did he just hear? The lion from the tribe of Judah. So when he looks, he saw between the throne and the elders a lamb standing there. It says, as if slain. So this lamb, this imagery is so powerful. The lion and the lamb. And so he, the lamb, takes the book, the scroll, out of the right hand of him who sits on the throne. And then when he took hold of it, just by taking hold of this book that's sealed with seven seals, the four living creatures and the 24 elders, they slip out of their thrones and they fall on their faces and they worship and they begin to sing a new song. What a moment. What a glorious, holy, powerful moment. Then, the lamb who took the scroll sealed with seven seals begins to break each of these seals. So just to be clear then, the yep. one on the throne would be God the Father. Exactly. And then the lamb, right. who is the lion from the tribe of Judah, right. is Jesus Christ. That's Jesus Christ. Okay, just want to be clear on that. Absolutely. Beautiful question, powerfully seen. The answer is very clear. The Almighty. So he, through his death, burial, and resurrection... He is now worthy That's right. to take the scroll That's and to right. open the seals. He earned the right by his death. Now that becomes a key question then in terms of when the wrath of God begins, which is when we can 
continue the next segment here. But that becomes right. a key issue as to also the rapture of the church. Right. And it, it, it gives us the qualifications of the lamb when it says, he saw a lamb as though slain. And he refers to that he was that sacrifice on the cross that earned him the right to open, uh, take hold of this uh, scroll. And again, just the taking of the scroll caused the elders to worship and sing a new song. We'd love to hear that song. And we will, I'm convinced, one day we will. All right, we're going to take a break. We're going to come back and begin to look at the revealing of the four horsemen of the apocalypse. You do not want to miss this. Do not go away. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Welcome back. Uh, we are diving deep into the latter day events. I didn't know this was going to be an eschatology class. Well, study of the end times. Here I, we go. I'm excited about it because I tell you what, it's so relevant right well, now. And we've got good news for the listeners. They're going to get credit, college credit, for listening <laughs> to this program. They ought to. We're going deep on this one. This is Pastor Rich Jones, Pastor Matthew Dodd. We serve together at Calvary Chapel in Hillsboro. It's our privilege to be sitting in with George, for Georgine Rice. She's not here. And um, she's got the day out today. But, you know, we're we're answering biblically the question, are, are these the signs of the times? Are we beholding right now signs of the times? To which I say, yeah, these are like the budding of the tree that le- lets you know that the summer is near. Same idea. When you see these events, you know that the end is drawing near. And uh, But we're now really drilling into this question that I think, at least I've heard many times, is this virus... Is this COVID-19 a specific reference to one of the four horsemen of the apocalypse? And right before the break, we were describing where does that imagery actually come from? It's in Revelation 6. And it's where the vision of John is opened up to us. And he sees this sea of glass. And in the very center is the great throne where the Almighty sit. That's God himself. And uh, in his right hand is a scroll are written on the inside and the back, sealed with seven seals. No one is found worthy. He begins to weep. But he's told, stop weeping for the lion from the tribe of Judah has been found worthy. He looks and he sees a lamb as though slain. And then when he takes the scroll from he who sits on the throne, the four living creatures and the 24 elders, they fall on their face. They begin to worship and sing a new song. That's where we pick it up. Now he opens the first seal. And I'm just going to read here uh, Revelation 6, beginning in verse 1. I saw when the Lamb broke one of the seven seals. And I heard one of the four living creatures saying as with a loud voice of thunder. You can just imagine the power behind this voice. Come. And I looked and behold, a white horse. So he's now calling forth a white horse. And he who sat on it had a bow, interestingly, no arrows. And a crown was given to him. It didn't have a crown till a crown was given to him. And he went out conquering and to conquer. Now, there are other horses. I want to just begin with this one, starting with this thing. You see, whenever someone thinks of a white horse in Revelation, I think they immediately think of Jesus, who in Revelation 19 is described as coming at the end of the age riding on the white horse. And they wonder, well, this must be that white horse. No, this is not that white horse. And he who sits upon it 
is not Jesus Christ. It is the Antichrist. Well, and this is at the beginning of the tribulation where Christ comes on the white horse at the end of the tribulation. Important distinction. Now, I think another thing that confuses people is like, well, wait just a minute. Why is the Antichrist given the imagery of a white horse? You know, I mean, the white horse is good, right? Remember back in the old Western movie days, you know, the good guys wore the white hats, the bad guys always wore the black hats. You know, you can always know. It's awesome. You could always tell who the good guy or the bad guy was. Right. So why in the world, then, if the Antichrist is described as as essentially evil... Why is he riding a white horse? It's confusing until you understand who the enemy is. Exactly right. And the way he is. Exactly right. And it's important to recognize he he comes as a deceiver. See, it's like where this is what Paul wrote in regard to Satan himself. right? The nature of his deception Right, I'm just going to read us 2 Corinthians 11, verses 13 to 15. Such men are false apostles, deceitful workers, disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. See, now there's an interesting insight into the nature of deception. Of course, Satan is going to... This whole idea of, you know, horns and a tail and pitchfork, that's nonsense, right? That's not... No, he comes as an angel of light. And, and the Antichrist comes as an angel of good. That's the whole point. That's why he comes on a white horse. But at his core, he's a deceiver. That's There's exactly. no truth in him. That's right. There's no authenticity in him. He's a deceiver and he comes to deceive. Because his power comes from Satan himself, yeah. who, who Jesus described as a liar, the father of lies and a liar from the very beginning. Whenever he speaks, he speaks from his own nature. So his horse might be right, white. But his heart is dark. Is 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 evil as evil is. And it's important to discern that he comes as an angel of light, you now, might say. Isn't it interesting you look at our culture today? Don't you believe that people really it we're kind of positioned to be deceived? You see that um, people are just waiting to have their ears tickled. Right. And you could see how we're just really poised well for right. the coming of one like an antichrist. Right. Uh, who could deceive people? And there's, oh my goodness, the, there's so much deception. You know, it's it's a the nature of advertising has been to deceive, right? And and there's so much, and uh, and so you can almost see the setting of the stage for a, a deceiver to arise on the scene. But it's also driven out of need. See, when whenever there's crises, economic disaster. Um, Events happening, cataclysmic events happening in the world. Wars, rumors of wars. I mean, there's such a need, there's a, a hunger. And then so someone arises on the scene with answers, and he's seen as the great you know, diplomat who can negotiate with Israel and the Arabs. And, and things we wouldn't typically give up, now we volunteer. That's right, because of need and necessity. And when you're hungry, when you're hungry... I mean, there's a lot of drivenness behind that hunger. And we even know the Antichrist is going to control uh, the economy. You know, the the Scripture describes, I think many people recognize, the the mark of the beast, right? You you must have this mark of the beast either on the forehead or on the uh, back of the right hand 
in order to buy or sell. Well, why would the Antichrist want to control economically the world? Well, you know, I think, again, it's driven by economic disaster. And we saw that even at this crisis of the current COVID-19 thing where everyone panicked, bought, bought toilet paper, of all things. I, I still have not figured out why people need so much toilet paper. That's a whole other show. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> I got distracted there. I got off. I got off. But here's the thing. It's like, why? Because of that same idea, right? He's got to control all things, including the economy. I want to read out of Second Corinthians chapter 2, because it really speaks to it. He says, Paul writes, Let no one in any way deceive you, for it will not come, we're speaking here of the return of Christ, until the apostasy comes first, and the man of lawlessness is revealed, that son of destruction, and you know what restrains him even now so that in his time he will be revealed. Only he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. That's the Holy Spirit who restrains until he's taken out of the way. Then that lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord will slay with the breath of his mouth and bring to an end by the appearance of his coming. So what you have here is a sinking up then. You have the church being raptured. Right. Then the scroll is open, the first seal, and then you have the revelation. But let me point something out, and that is that the Antichrist cannot arise until this living creature makes that declaration come. The timing of all is in the hand of the Lord. Now, don't go away. We will be right back. We have so much to understand that it is critical. You will not want to miss. Do not go away. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Welcome back to the Georgine Rice Show. This is our last segment. And uh, my goodness, this has gone so fast. This is Pastor Rich Jones. I'm with Pastor Matthew Dodd. We serve together at Calvary Chapel in Hillsboro. We're diving really deep into latter-day events because we really want to answer this question is this current crisis, this pandemic, part of the latter-day events? And and I, I mentioned before, it's the setting up of. It's part of the birth pangs that Jesus referred to. And it's one of those signs on the, the budding of the tree that tells you that summer is near. It's like that. And so, therefore, it causes us to want to understand latter-day events. You know, if Jesus told us to be watchful and to be ready to discern what we need to understand, what what are the signs of the times? What are the latter-day events? So we're, now we're speaking specifically to the question, well, is this virus perhaps one of the four horsemen of the apocalypse? And just before the break, we were talking about the first horse of those four horsemen, which is that white horse, and he who sits upon it is the Antichrist. So now, because we only have a few minutes left, we don't have a lot of time to, to dive into this, but I want to go into the second seal, right? When the lamb who was slain opens the second seal. It says in verse 3, I'm in Revelation chapter 6, when he broke the second seal, I heard the second living creature say, come, of course, he says it with the voice of thunder. And another horse, this one, a red horse, went out, and to him who sat on it, it was granted to take peace from the earth and that men should slay one another, and a great sword was given to him. So this is referring now to the, the, the second horse of war. 
and uh, of course this is this is a disaster of epic proportions when war breaks out upon the earth and so this is that second horse that red horse uh, of war now it, it's very important to to recognize you know this it represents war although that greek word means slaughter some suggest it could also be like sectarian violence that we see so many years you know in the arab nations uh, in the middle east there have been violence of sectarian nature for years and years and years but it will reach a fever pitch and war will be part of that today we're seeing such a an animosity arising between russia and the united states china and the united states iran and the united states a drawing even europe by the way even Europe is drawing farther farther away from the United States. And a growing coalition of power is arising with China and Russia and Iran and North Korea. By the way, the army of North Korea, this is what's fascinating what's happening. What in the world is happening in North Korea today? You know they've got a massive army? Well, I think it's the safest place to be when it comes to COVID-19, but I'll leave that one aside. Well... Wait a minute. No reports, Wait right? Wait just a minute. <laughs> How could North Korea be the safest place to be uh, because of this virus? I already know Sorry, the Sorry, that's a big rabbit no, trail there. because they say there are no cases of the virus, and exactly we all know right. that they are not telling the truth. Anyway, but can you just imagine the size of the army that would be possible when you combine the armies of North Korea, China, and Russia, and Iran? That's just four. Right, you add other armies of the world, and you're talking about a, a, an army the size of which the world has never seen before. And he's given a big sword, absolutely, to remove peace. Right, and so we have wars and rumors of wars right now, but it's nothing compared to what's going to happen then. We have to move fast. The third seal is broken. Verse five. I heard the third living creature say, "Come." I looked, and behold, now it's a black horse, and he who sat on it had a pair of scales. And I heard, as it were, a voice in the center of the four living creatures say, A quart of wheat for a denarius. That means a day's wage. Three quarts of barley for a denarius. And do not harm the oil or the wine. This black horse, uh, I'm convinced it represents economic disaster, famine. Collapse. Economic collapse. And we've already seen a precursor, right? This COVID-19 is bringing an economic disaster 30 million plus out, out of, work. of work just in our country imagine the world economic collapse that's that you know it's going to take some time see to me this is a leading up to it this is a precursor of and you know at first war actually helps economies yeah until it destroys too much right and there's that tipping point goes too far exactly and then uh, a quart of wheat for a denarius. you got to work a whole day. But it appears, though, some people where it says don't touch or damage the oil or wine, that you have a wealthy population right. Right. that is still able to enjoy the finer things. And there are many wealthy who are, are uh, saving up gold just for that, that uh, circumstance. At last, and here's the one where people ask, you know, is, is this the fourth seal? And when he broke the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth living creature say, Come, and I looked, and behold, an ashen horse. And he who sat on it had the name Death. And Hades was following after him. And authority was given to them over a fourth of the earth to kill with sword and famine and pestilence, 
See, pestilence, a virus plague could be considered pestilence and with the wild beasts of the earth. Now, is this describing the current COVID-19 virus? I will emphatically give you the answer. No, absolutely no. It is not the fourth horse of the apocalypse because that is an event that will take place in the tribulation period. And we're not in the tribulation period. But then what is it? It's leading up to. But what we are seeing is the potential of destroying a fourth of the population of the earth. You can see, what if a more virulent virus was set loose upon the earth? Let's say an Ebola type that was as as uh, dangerous as a COVID or as easily taken as COVID-19. It could easily wipe out a fourth of the population of the earth. So I think what we're seeing is a leading up to a precursor of a picture of what can very much be described as pestilence of the fourth horse. So we're not in the Great Tribulation period right now. No. The fourth seal hasn't been opened. Not yet. Because the first seal hasn't been opened. That's right. The Antichrist has not been And because the church hasn't been raptured yet. Exactly right. All of those things are, are potential only after those things will be literally fulfilled. So how should we as Christians then, wrapping things up here, right. how should we as Christians live in light of what's going on now and in light right. of Christ's return? Well, and that's why Jesus spoke to it so plainly uh, in Matthew 24, at the end of that chapter, Matthew 25, be on the alert, be watchful. To me, this is a time of revival. God wants the church to be ready. We need a time of revival. I think also it's a time to be watchful, right? He's saying, look, watch for the signs of the time. Keep your heart ready. I think this is the time. And I think Don't let your love grow cold. That, oh, that's right. Time of revival. And, uh, and I think a time of crisis does do that. It, it, it wakes you up spiritually. But I think also it's a time of revival in the sense that there are non-believers that are looking for hope. And I think, you know what God would say to them? God would say, listen, God is pursuing you, right? You open the door of your heart and God will come in. The Lord Jesus Christ has been sent to seek and to save that which was lost. He is wanting relationship with you. And I'm praying that this message of the current day that we're living stirs people up. I think we need to be awakened spiritually. and The church needs to be awakened spiritually because we are living in dangerous times. Pastor Matthew, this has been an absolute joy to sit with you and uh, host this program. And I can't wait to do it again. And Georgine, I hope that you get back soon. God bless you, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. If you'd like to download a podcast of the show or would like more information on today's guests, please visit the show at kpdq.com or on Facebook. Follow the show on Twitter at G. Rice Show and like us on Facebook. And join us live every weekday at 4 for more critical thinking for critical times on 93.9 KPDQ.